Welcome to Alchemergy. My name is Dennis William Hauk, and together we will explore the ancient mysteries of alchemy. Thank you all very much. Um, alchemy and the paranormal, what has that got to do with each other? Actually, they came together uh, in my life all in one year. Alchemy is the ancient art of transformation, and the alchemists, medieval and Egyptian alchemists, work to transform reality by the use of consciousness. And they worked on the physical, mental, and uh, spiritual levels. They were actually the first EVPers, if you will, or they tried to connect with spiritual energies. They had built hollow skulls, uh, most, of, most of the time out of copper, because copper was the metal of communication. Um, they were hollow crystal skulls with open mouths, and I've seen these in, in Prague. There's still many of them in existence. And they actually meditated with these skulls to get voice messages out of, the, uh, out of the mouths of these hollow copper skulls. Of course, the church didn't think much of that, and, and a lot of these skulls got buried along with the alchemist or, or the alchemist ashes. Um, it's, it's a tradition that is very much from a time where science and religion were all one subject. So I find it very fruitful, my own understanding of the paranormal, to study alchemy. Paranormal, of course, we all know what that is. It's out of the ordinary, something that doesn't fit in our consensus of reality. I like to call these types of experiences exceptional human experiences um, because it includes a lot of different things. I started out uh, studying just uh, one part of the paranormal, but today I, I study just about anything that's weird, <laughs> anything that is exceptional human experiences because I'm very interested in, in consciousness and how consciousness actually changes reality, not only our perception of reality, but our, our understanding and actual physical reality itself. Um, a lot of my work started out uh, with UFOs, actually. In fact, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I was in graduate school at the University of Vienna in the mid-1970s, and in mathematics, studying mathematics. Had no idea that 30 years later I'd be standing up here talking to you about ghosts and, and UFOs and weird things like that. Uh, it all happened because we decided, myself and four friends, to go on a skiing holiday in Innsbruck, Austria. We took the train uh, from Vienna to uh, Innsbruck. Unfortunately, we'd spent all our money on schnapps and beer, and by the time we got to Innsbruck, we didn't have any money left for skiing, the ski lift tickets. So we ended up going cross-country skiing between Innsbruck and Kitzbühel. And on that trip, uh, we came across a ravine, a darkened ravine, and there looked like a, to be a perfectly spinning metallic disc in the ravine down below us. So I threw off my skis, and other persons threw off their skis. We walked down to, the, to this UFO, what it looked like a UFO, a metallic object. And as the closer we got to it, it tended to disappear. I mean, in direct proportion to every step we took, until it finally totally disappeared. Then we'd back up, and it would reappear. So we, we totally agreed that this was some type of really cool optical illusion. Uh, we figured out that maybe it was a reflection of the sun off the bright snow into the ravine. What happened was, though, when we finally sobered up <laughs> and went down to, to Innsbruck, um, all these strange synchronicities started happening. It, it was, uh, we, we, uh, we got off the train, the tram, and uh, there was uh, a newspaper with a picture of, a sketch, rather, of a UFO, very much like we'd seen. We discovered that 
the whole area had been seeing a lot of UFO, had a lot of UFO sightings. And believe me, every minute for like two days, it kept on UFOs came into our consciousness. Even though we totally accepted the fact that this was some type of illusion, our belief in it somehow activated something. In fact, we went into a bar um, and a beer hall, and uh, there was a professor there uh, from the University of Innsbruck. He had in his pocket a series of photographs that he'd taken of a, a UFO, very similar to ours. Uh, he even had pictures of um, entities, creatures in like aluminum foil suits. I mean, it was so bizarre. And it wasn't my belief in UFOs, and it wasn't my belief um, in aliens or anything like that. It was my belief in how my belief changed reality and how our belief changed reality that really got me interested in it. And so uh, at the same time, I started studying alchemy. And then finally when I got done and came back to the United States, uh, I used my computer skills, went to work with um, a Dr. J. Allen Hynek from Northwestern University, and we made what was called at the time UFO Cat or UFO Catalog of, uh, of UFO sightings basically around the world. We were trying to discover a statistical pattern of what was going on. Uh, it, was, it was horrendous work. I mean, every little, these huge noisy machines, punch card punchers, made little holes in, in, in cards, and you'd have to feed like a thousand of them through a computer to get a paragraph <laughs> of information. And it was very primitive, but, uh, but we did. We got interesting uh, correlations between seasons and planetary arrangements and things like that. What happened was Dr. Heineck, um, started sending me out in the field to investigate these cases. And I met with people who believed they were abducted and all kinds of very strange and bizarre stuff. Um, and a lot of these people described aliens almost like people describe ghosts. And so after a while, I didn't see much difference between an alien appearing at the foot of your bed in a shaft of light and a, and a ghost appearing there. There, there was something, um, and I'm not saying at any time that I have evidence that there's spirits beyond death, that there's aliens anywhere out there, but there is a correlation between human consciousness and these events. It's either expectation or it's, uh, or it's causing it some way, and that's really my avenue of research. I've, over the last, since then, 30 years almost, I've investigated a number of cases that, uh, that have confirmed my belief. I mean, it's not... Uh, it's that question you get from the media all the time, all the time, the first question, do you believe in ghosts, you know? Well, duh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Vineyard House in Coloma, California. And it's one of the spookiest places I've been in, stayed overnight in. Uh, it's, the history here goes back to 1884, when uh, Robert Chalmers built the, this mansion for his wife, Louise. Yeah, they had a uh, vineyard here, a very, very prolific and uh, profitable vineyard, and they built their mansion right in the middle of it. Um, unfortunately, uh, about two weeks after they finished building this place, Robert Chalmers went mad. He uh, had, syphilis, had contracted syphilis about a year or two earlier, and went to his brain, and he went stark raving, crazy, uh, screaming and beating things and attacking uh, invisible things and, and uh, she finally had to chain him up in the basement um, to keep him from hurting himself and hurting others. So he was chained up in the basement for a year, year and a half. Um, sometimes they moved him out of the basement uh, into the winery behind the house and chained him up there. There was just no treatment for that kind of stuff back then. And um, it, the, the sounds of, his, of chain rattling and his screaming 
can still be recorded here with EVP. People here at, uh, who check in, this is on and off over the years, has become a hotel. Uh, never really made it profitably. And since 1952, I think it's been turned into a hotel eight times and nobody's ever made it. The last uh, guys who ran it only ran it for eight months and then they moved out because it just had this very negative, heavy energy. And that's, that's what I associate with Vineyard House. That's how some of these hauntings are. They're oppressively heavy uh, and depressing psychologically just to be in the building. Um, Louise uh, finally, her, her husband, well, he, to make a long story short, he ended up starving himself to death. And it was a relief to Louise, really. Um, after he died, she had no money. Uh, within, within weeks after he died, their entire vineyard, uh, according to legend, we have no documentation, has withered and died. And, uh, and she could no longer make money from uh, selling wine. So she rented out the place as a courthouse uh, to the county. She used the basement as a jail for prisoners in the county. There were hangings in the front yard uh, in this area, uh, in front of the porch here. And down below here is, uh, is the basement, one of the basement entrances, which is, which is now a tavern. And uh, there's a lot of poltergeist activity in the tavern. Uh, I've talked to bartenders who said uh, beer glasses slide across the counter. Uh, they, they, customers hear chains rattling and screams. So the basement area is actually probably the most oppressive place in, in the building. Again, it's a beautiful old building that, that, that should be more beautiful than it is. It should have gotten better upkeep, but nobody ever wanted to put the effort into it to, to renovate it and, re and revise it. Um, this is the old winery building where the, where the wine was uh, aged in oak barrels. Uh, Robert was uh, chained just out inside that door and um, in fact, I was there with a psychic, well, two psychics actually, uh, felt a very powerful presence just around the corner of that door of a woman being strangled or uh, held with a rope against her will. Uh, one, one psychic even said she was raped and, and murdered after that. And it was always right around this door. It's interesting that two different psychics had picked up this energy there. Uh, we've tried EVP here in, in magnetometer readings, but there's nothing really there to back up that, except the coincidence of these two stories um, of this woman being murdered here behind the door. Uh, the traumas are buried across the street from, from the um, house. Welcome to Alchemergy. My name is Dennis William Hauck, and together we will explore the ancient mysteries of alchemy.